And now, everybody, MC Search! MC Search! MC Search! MC Search! MC Search! Search will never stand still! continue on with the game show we we have lovingly called and and it's funny the interview has now become a game show called is gator's wikipedia which gator knew nothing about yeah i didn't i didn't know nothing about this wikipedia i didn't even know i was look yeah famous people have wikipedias right last time i checked you're a very famous person see but I, I, just you even saying that just mind-blowing to me that's what i'm saying like i didn't even know i had a wikipedia <laughs> well it seems like, very accurate on, i mean so far we've identified the following that is truthful. One, that you came out of the foster system and that you were raised by your aunt, who you consider your mom. Yeah. Two, you didn't know your mom and your biological mother and your father. Have you ever yeah. tried to re find them? Have you ever tried to? No, nah, they, they passed, they did. Oh, I had no idea. I'm so sorry, bro. Yeah, I had they, no they idea. died when I was 18 months, man. Nah, you good. That's, that's something I deal with every single day. Like, Ain't no finding them. I know where they at, you know, and I'm comfortable with that. That's why I walk around like I'm the man. You feel me? Like, that's why I got this persona. Like, okay, if I can go through this type of situation and hold my head up high every day, let's go, baby. You, you ain't been through nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how I be telling people, like, I've been through a lot, man, at an early age. So, and we, whatever, we, man. We, we have established that your middle school rap icon was the brat because as you said if women could get it and do it in a way that is respectful and based on lyricism and not their bodies and not all of that that men could do it too that's true because it's a lot of women out here out hustling out working grown men you know what i'm saying so people got to know that if a woman doing something and she putting in more work than you it's like bro you better get on your job, man. Like your, your, your woman should not be doing everything. You know what I'm saying? And women out here putting a lot on their shoulders and they ain't got no assistance. So when I be seeing women struggling and when I be seeing women grinding and stuff, I be, I be cheering for them. It be kudos. Like I, I like people that are self-driven because my mom who adopted me is self-driven. It wasn't no man in the house. It was just her and my sister. So all I know is independence. That's why nobody can't tell me nothing, man. Cause I be trying to do it myself. Like, when it comes to recording my music, I record that shit myself. When it comes to making music videos, I go get the people to shoot the video myself. Like, fuck a label. I'm the label. Like, <laughs> right. It must have been enough, man. That's the, that's what it is. <laughs> and and we've also established that you did not. What was capped is that you did not hustle third base bootlegs at Sloss and Swap Meet. You sold your own mixtapes on Melrose because the wave was just so much better. Yeah, it's the way better on Melrose, so yes. that's why I wanted to pass out my mixtapes and stuff, because I wanted to go be in an environment, you know, where I saw people being themselves, a lot of freedom, a lot of people, you know what I'm saying, being fresh, too, the fashion crazy, too, out there. Back in the day, it was crazy, but right now, Melrose and Fairfax is watered down, you know what I'm saying, but it used to be crazy back in the day, but yeah, that's where I used to go push my brand, and that's where um, I still pop out sometime. I just don't do no shopping over there. I don't be shopping on Melrose no more. Got it. 
Yeah, it's it's not the same that it used to be when you could go like sneaker shopping in like yeah, the it's old not the same. They, and StockX got everything. <laughs> that's facto. That's a facto, King. That's a facto. Oh my god, that's a facto. You ain't gotta leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you ain't even gotta go sneaker shopping no more. You just go to StockX. Hey. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> it's, a tr- it's it's absolutely true. Yo, I, I, I wanted to ask you this. I don't know why it popped in my head, but you know, with your aunt raising you and your sister, um, what are some of your earliest memories of Christmas? Like, like what were those memories like? Man, every Christmas I had was beautiful, man. My my mom and sister made sure I had everything. That's why I'm still the way I am. Like, I gotta make sure I got on a brand new shirt, gotta make sure I got on a brand new hat. Got to make sure my pants is creased. Got to make sure I got on the latest Jordans. And that's all because my mom and my sister did that for me. Not no not no father, you feel me? My mm-hmm. mom and sister did that for me. So every time I be looking at myself and I be looking at all this dripping shit, I'll be like, damn, like my mom and sister instilled this in me. When I go look at my sunglass collection and I'll be like, damn, I got 50 pairs like designer sunglasses. I'll be like, my mom and sister are the reason why I love sunglasses because my mom... She worked in the fashion industry for 20 years. I'm talking about teaching me everything about fabric at a young age. When I was 13 to 16, I used to work in the warehouse. I used to tag the dresses. My mom used to make me go down there and tag the dresses in the warehouse. You know what I'm saying? I'm just tagging dresses and shit. So I've always been around clothes, and I feel like I'm one of the flyest ever. With you being around fashion, is that something that you want to aspire to, like uh, doing fashion design, doing your own brand? Uh, oh yeah, definitely, man. I'm definitely want to uh, tap in the fashion world. I'm already in it. You know, I got my merch store going. That's that's just for my fans, though. I don't consider that real world fashion. I can consider that like pieces and memorabilia that they can feel. You know, they put on, feel that they attached to me and my brand. So like for everybody to go put that GED shirt on, the one it's like with the logo right over here. That's on the GatorMerch.com website. Like when you put that shirt on, I want you to feel like damn. I can conquer the world. I can really do anything. So I love everything that I'm doing and I love fashion and I can't wait to drop like some dope, dope lines, but I want to wait and take my time, man. Cause I know I got so much stuff going on. I'm probably gonna have my girl run my fashion line. Cause she's from Italy. You know what I'm saying? So she, she worked at Donatello uh, for Versace when she was like 15, 16. So in the fashion department, I'm good. I got every, the latest and greatest. You know what I'm saying? I, I stay dripped out, man. Yes, you do. Know, I love fashion. We should we should start a, a clothing line. Search. Hey, I I have a little history in that. I uh, I helped build a brand called Echo Unlimited with Mark Echo, so I have a little Ooh. experience in that. I did not know that, bro. Yeah. Well, this is not about me, but we're gonna focus on you. No. Nah, so again, the other thing. Both of us, bro. I'm over here talking to a legend, man. Y'all need to know that, man. So the other part of the Wikipedia that we found out is fact, though, not capo is that uh, you uh, started as a hype man with Tyga, and you also now have a company with one of my favorite MCs, Schoolboy Q, GD. And that's true. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate true, it. I just want, I just needed the it's confirmation. All, this is all public information, man. Y'all can go see the pictures. Y'all can go you know what? Unfortunately, it wasn't because you didn't even realize you had a Wikipedia. So well, technically, yeah, you know, it wasn't. No, you're right. No, you're right. It was not. No, you're right. You're right about that. I didn't know I had a Wikipedia though. Here's here's another. Here's 
Here's another probably, fact. Probably because having a Wikipedia is so minute, you don't even get no money off that shit. That's probably my manager, that's probably my manager didn't even tell me because he's like, why would I tell Gator he has a Wikipedia and I know he cares about getting money? <laughs> well, you know what? I, I will say that doing this interview and the tens of tens of that's tens of funny, people man. that will see this will probably engage you twice as much more than they did before. Um, another thing in the game that I've another now... thing is I'm having fun with you right now, Serge. Ah, uh, I want you to know that, man. I'm having fun, bro. I'm really, I'm I really glad. don't have fun in interviews and be this free like that. But since we doing it on IG Live, then I got my uh, new computer right here. I'm, I'm having so much fun. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad. Um, so the other thing that your your uh, your Wikipedia, and we're gonna find out if it's fact or cap, um, is that. Um, the role that you play on Dave is based on an uh, an artist named Gata. Is that true or false? That's true. That's me. I'm the artist. Oh, Gata. okay. Okay. I just okay. I'm the artist Gata, and uh, Gata stands for going against the average. You hear me? You know what yes, I'm saying? Sir. Yep. And, and remember this, y'all. The G is for global. You hear me? The G is for global. <laughs> and when you spell my name, you capitalize the G. Cause I'm a G, and then you lowercase the A. But make sure you capitalize my T, cause I'm the truth. I'm always gonna keep it real with you. I'm gonna always tell you the uh, the real deal, the real spill. And then right. lowercase the other A. But that's how I go. G A T A going against the average G D forever. Papa Cobra says, "Let's fucking go, Gator." Nah, man, I'm gonna talk my shit, man. Every chance I get, bro. Good. Uh, another another non-Wikipedia fact is you blew me off last week to have sweet seats at the Chargers-Rams game. Is that fact or cap, sir? That is not cap. <laughs> it's fact because look at this Los Angeles Rams hat. It's a beautiful hat. Beautiful yeah, hat, sir. Rams hat. No, wait. This is the Rams hat. Yeah, no, that's that's that. Yo, it is very beautiful. Yeah, it says Rams, Rams on it. Yes, sir. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. How what was that like? This, Yo, hold I on. This. The Rams get, I got this from the Rams. <laughs> yeah. So tell me what. So walk me through that. How does? How do you get an invite to the Rams? How do you get a sweet invite? This how you get a sweet. Please. This how you get a sweet, y'all, at the Rams game. Please. You gotta gamble and wiggle your way up in life, and you gotta end up on the hottest show FX and Hulu in number one comedy history. You know what I'm saying? Your best friend got to be going crazy out here. He got to be just like a genius, you know? And you just got to make something of yourself, man. You got to always stay true to yourself, believe in yourself, and never take no for an answer. And people telling you no, don't go for that. Go the other way. Go the other way. And people saying no, go the other way until you start hearing people chant for you and hearing what you want to hear because those are the people that want to support you. So, yeah, remember that. And that's how you get uh field side tickets to the Rams game. One of the things I, I wanted to share with you, um, because besides your Wikipedia being incredibly accurate, mm. um, one of the things I did want to share with you that didn't feel was a, was appropriate elsewhere, but but here on search says is you and I both share something that I really don't talk a lot about is that I'm also bipolar. Um and I I uh I identified as bipolar. You gotta turn turn your mic up. Turn your mic up. Turn me down. Can you hear me? Yeah, no, loud and clear now. All right. Um, I, I identified probably close to your age. I was 26 when they uh, identified me as as bipolar. Oh yeah, that's um, what you did too. Yeah. Crazy man. Do you remember how 
you felt prior to being diagnosed? Like what was some of the challenges you had prior to your diagnosis? I just remember having a lot of uh, like uh, anxiety, a lot of like doubt, a lot of worry, you know, like what's going to be my next move. Cause you know, I was going through a lot of uh, hard times. It's just like when I stopped working with my boy and we, I stopped touring, I was like not doing so well in life. You know, mom's just back on my head. I'm back at the crib. She's telling me, you know, get a job every day. Get a job every day, you know. So I was just going through a bunch of shit, man, you know, and it was fucking me up. But other than that, yeah, man, I think I'm good. I, I don't know how I was feeling, though. I think I was feeling, I was pretty down, man. You got to think about it. I was so down and I wasn't so much in the right state of mind. Like, I would take Xanax, drink alcohol, and then I would, like, have a manic episode try to act like nothing happened and then like it just I don't know man it was just crazy and then just knowing that I was diagnosed back then it would be times where you know I would fight the meds I wouldn't take the meds and stuff like that but other than that man I just know I was feeling like I was gonna make it I never wanted to give up even through those hard times back then when I found out I was diagnosed I never made me want to give up on my dream and that's one of the most uh beautiful things about being bipolar is because when you bipolar, like you go from hot and cold, but when you in that hot stage, you can get so much goddamn work done. It'll, it'll blow people's mind. Like you, that, that, that manic feeling, that anxiety, it'll have you doing 45 podcasts and coming up with crazy ideas and stuff. But when you in that cold space, it's like, that's when you like, damn, you don't want to wake up. You don't want to get out the bed. You thinking about the past and all that type of shit. But yeah, man, that's what I was dealing with. And I still deal with it every day. That's the that's the that's the cold part. I just make it look good. <laughs> I I can I can relate to that because I, I do the same thing. It, it took a it took a long time for me to get balanced, right? Yeah. Because um, at the time, you know, I had I had Nas, I had OC, I had nonfiction, I had Echo, I had yeah. my wife, I had my my firstborn, and. Um, that balance is really what you talk about. That balance when you're on this high, you feel like it's easy. Like you can just juggle a hundred balls. Yeah, for real. It's crazy, man. And when you're coming down this way, you feel like everything you're doing is a complete failure. Yeah. You know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, what I love about the show is how you externalize that. When you originally read the script for the first season and they showed you the episode and you're at your table reading, um, and for those who are uninitiated, uninitiated with Hollywood, when you're at a table reading is when you first see the script and your whole, you know, you're all there and you're doing the table reading and they introduce the fact that you're bipolar. It's, it's one of my it really kind of choked me up because you're buying a computer and you really don't have the money for the computer. And your, your mom, the woman who plays your mom in the show, you wind up spazzing out. Um, 
when you were at the table read and you were looking at that for the first time, do you remember how you felt about realizing like, man, I'm, this is really going to become a part of my story, right? Not just a part of my life, but a part of my story. Yeah. I was really just thinking like, damn, like people are going to love me and recognize me and give me notoriety for having a disorder, something that millions and billions of people in the world have. And people are going to love me not for some cool rap lyrics or for some clothing line or whatever it is. They just love me for something that they got too, or that their parents got or that they auntie got. So that's what I really like about it. It's like the first thing people tell me is, oh, yeah, man, that episode touched me or man, you're a cool guy. But your story, like, that's what I really love. You know, the fact that I'm known for a disorder that a lot of people have, man, and I make it a beautiful thing. You know what I'm saying? I show people that you can manage it. I show people that you can uh, control it, deal with it every day, and, you know, live your life and be successful. So that's what I like about it. And that's how I felt when I first uh, read the um, the role. I was just like, I mean, uh, the table read, I was just thinking like, damn, people don't really be coming up to me like, yo, this is my story. So how did uh, when when you did that scene, how many times did they ask you to do it? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I only did it like two times, three times. And that's just only for coverage. But the first take, amazing. Those are real tears. Second take, amazing. Real tears. Third take, amazing. Real tears were done. People in the room was crying. And usually a scene don't go that fast. It's yeah. they got to set up and do all this and reset the camera. But. I was so much in the emotion that the director was like, yo, just hurry up, move it here, get, bring another camera in. Don't wait for the, like he's in the zone now. Like right. that's how I was. And that's just how all my scenes be for the most part. Like I just get in there and just be myself and just really pull from things that I've been through in my life or whatever I'm going through in the scene. Yeah. I, I can't imagine how emotionally hard that must've been, but also how freeing it must've been for you at the same time. Oh, it was definitely freeing because number one, on this hand, I'm thinking, damn, I'm about to be lit. I'm about to be on TV with Lil Dicky FX. And then on this hand, I'm thinking, damn, look how long it took for me to get here. Look how long I had to struggle and be broke. And I was on the county building, food stamps, people clowning me, trying to embarrass me and do all type of crazy stuff. And thinking about my past, like, damn, I, I did all of this and got to this point without even knowing my real parents. And now I'm telling people the real story. So all this is going through my head, like, damn, like, all my struggle is about to be, like, looked at as a beautiful thing. So it just made me feel great, like, damn. Because when I was a kid and still to this day, like, well, well, now I can't hide it because it's all out there. But now to this, like, I used to not tell people right away, like, that, my, you know, that I didn't know my mom or my dad, you know. I used to just be playing the role and just, you know what I'm saying, because that's my business. But as I got older, I'm like, man, let me just share my story, man, like, comfortable now right um there was another again it just was so powerful for me you know you come out of the hospital in that episode mm -hmm. you have to go to rehearsal it's a big moment for dave you're down you really you're really having a hard time getting off the couch um and then you have to just share that with him you have that moment where you're like brother i'm, I'm bipolar um was there a moment even privately where you and Dave had that conversation even before it ever got to camera? Oh yeah, that that's why I got to camera because that's how it happened in real life. I was really at rehearsal like that. I really showed up to rehearsal 
off my medication, really lethargic and lackadaisical, and I was out of it. And he's just like, what's up with you, bro? Like, why are you not performing like you usually do? Like, why are you acting all, like, weird and shit? And I'm just like, man, I ain't gonna lie to you, bro. This this is what's going on in my life. Y'all don't know, but look, look, these are the medications that I take. Like, I, I laid it out just like that. And they like... I pulled it out of the backpack, okay? Yeah, I, I swear. I need this four times a day. This is the allopurinol. I need this. This is the, the button, you know, yeah. Nah, nah, for real, real talk. So I had to because I wanted them to understand. Like, I'm not just here being unprofessional. Like, I'm not here blacked out, like, recovering from a hangover. Like, I'm here because, I mean, I'm here lazy because I'm or acting however I was acting because of my disorder. So I had to tell them. And that's how that came about because that really happened in real life. And that's what I love about the, the TV show is that Dickie really draws from real life uh, situations that we had together. I love that you are honest enough to call it a mental disorder, that you're brave enough. And I, and I know that sounds stupid, right? Because you, know, you have people that like pull people out of burning buildings and you know, these are brave people. But I, I can share with you that shows like yours and talking to people made me feel comfortable sharing a, a, something that I've hid from people for 25 years, you know? Wow. Um, and it's really brave of you. And also, we both recognize, regardless, don't let this move taste fool you, that in the Black community, really thinking about mental health and talking about it is still something that is not the thing to do, right? It's right. not. It's not. So have you received the other side of it, which is, you know, people who might be showing their ignorance in talking or, or speaking or DMing in a certain way that kind of makes you feel like, man, why the fuck did I even say all this shit in the first place? Like, why did I even put my life out here? Like, motherfuckers, they don't really understand. Like, they're fucking responding in ways like, I'm not even trying to hear none of that shit. Oh, uh, no, nah, people don't, no, nah, I haven't heard nobody bashing me about the, uh, the bipolar stuff. That's amazing. I never, yeah, I never heard nobody say nothing like, oh, man, you, like, you know, nobody give gave me ever no negative feedback about the uh, bipolar stuff. But I hear negative feedback about an outfit or some or a song or or whatever. But I'm so glad. I'm so glad. That's great. One of my other, and, and, and I will share with you why I'm such a big fan at the end of this interview. I, and I think I want to be able to share with you because I am a huge fan. I've, I've watched every episode more than 10 times. Um, at the end of the first season, uh, Dave is tempted to rhyme about being locked up in prison and biting the dude's dick off and realizes that in this forum, while Charlemagne is talking about appropriation and Angela Yee is kind of looking at him cockeyed, that this might be a better time to really flex skills. Wow. Um, that moment to me, just as an MC resonated, because I think a lot of us as artists coming up kind of dealt with that. Can you walk me through what that was like being on The Breakfast Club, walking through that scene, what the preparation was like for that for that scene? Well, the, the prep when it was, it, it was, you know, it was a TV show, so we already had the format and everything. So it wasn't really too uh, hard to get through. And plus, the Breakfast Club, they love LD. He done been up there two, three times, I think. You know what I'm saying? So when he went in there, you know, they were their normal selves and they were, 
you know, adding, of course, they swag to the to the script or whatever and whatnot. But Charlemagne was really Charlemagne, you know. And what's so crazy is LD was prepared for that. You know what I'm saying? How like when you watch a TV show, you can hear Charlemagne, you know, kind of like like you know what I'm saying, doing his regular do, you know what I'm saying, his regular due diligence. But Dickie being the person he was, he he handled it the best he could. But when I saw that he was kind of like, you know, me, I'm like, hold on, man. Dickie a real one, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that's how I was, dude. That's how exactly how you saw it was exactly how I, how it was, man. That's what's so crazy. So wait a minute, it was scripted like that too, when you were like, yo, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dickie's a real one. Even when you kissed him. Uh yeah, they, they, yeah, that, that was yeah, the part, yeah, the part the part it was just all like you know organic likely like uh let's say let's say the lines weren't scripted, but the format was already okay. Dickie's gonna go in here, have an interview, he's gonna freestyle, you know what I'm saying? Gator's gonna chime in at some point, you know, but my chime in was different than what was on paper. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. of course. I get it. I that's get it. it. That's how it was like when I seen Charlemagne pushing in the corner, that's when I was like, you know. I just, the, the scene that I love, obviously, is that when you gave him the kiss, Dave was so shocked. He was so shocked. He's like, I've been waiting for that moment. And I always, I wanted to ask you, was that like, was that an improv scene? Did you improv that? Or is that scripted? Did you guys know that that was going to happen? Oh, no, I definitely did that. That was on the script. I definitely, that okay. was on the script. I, I definitely awesome. did that. I want to, I want to, I want to go to. just freestyle kissed him. <laughs> it sounds so weird when you say no i didn't freestyle kiss him that's just yeah. weird let's go to, let's go i want to go to season two because the development of season of, two what it do oh my goodness bro amazing amazing wow. um, you know we now we now see dickie in a situation dave in a situation where you know he's making the album but he's struggling right, right. and he's struggling not only with the album he's struggling really with his own identity as being this rapper that's signed to a major label that has this kind of priority to put out a put put out a record, um, and your scenario in in season two was really like you're really between a crossroads too, right? Like you're on the precipice of fame, but it's almost like riding the coattails to fame. Um, my personal favorite scene where there's the what I call the Gator moment of season two is the bar mitzvah. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. That was all you know, right. you know, um, they kick, they kick Dave out of the bar mitzvah. You had the hugest trouble, you know, I don't want to spoil it for people if they didn't see it, but you had the hugest trouble. You get to the bar mitzvah late, the bar mitzvah boy's crying. He's a huge fan and you jump on the car and you start doing your record, right? When, again, I, I just I want to ask you when you're at the table reading and you're reading this, is there an energy that goes through you like, yes, this is my fucking moment, like right here, this is my fucking moment? Oh yeah, definitely. Because as an artist, all the artists want to do is be heard. You know what I'm saying? And the fact that I get to be heard and seen on national TV, uh, and this is a song that I really wrote, really went in the studio, really recorded. And I never ever knew that Dickie was gonna use this song for the TV show. He just wow. came to me one day. He was like, yo, look, this is the scene. He was like, that song that you got, a checkup song, it go perfect right here. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, don't you get it? Sure do you wanna check, check, check. 
and Shorty is the kid. At the right. So I'm like, damn, that's crazy because when I wrote it, I wrote it for the ladies. Like, Shorty want to check, 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 check. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, damn, man, LD, I love you, bro, because, you know, just the fact that you get to dig in my crates and my catalog and pick something that you like and give me that moment, that, that means a lot to me, man. And I like how they building my character up because it's true. Like, in real life, I want to be a rapper. Like, and I am a rapper, but it's just the fact that they showing people that that's the path that I took and the, the that's what happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dicky finally, you know what I'm saying, shed some light on my rap dreams. And that's why we having this moment right now. You know what I mean? Because he want to see me be a star. He want to see me shine, man. And that's what I love about LD, man. He's not scared to share the ladder of success and get real um if he would not have picked chet and gave you the option to pick a song which one would you have picked and why out of your catalog well to be honest with you uh the way that i know dicky is i would have said bro i don't even want to pick you pick you I, I know you're a perfectionist bro this is your tv show so i would have said forget about what i think i want you to pick one bro because what you whatever you pick is going to make me feel like this is the highest and the best quality. Like this is, you really like this. Like it's, it's not no, you know what I mean? It's going to make me feel like it's a good record because Dickie puts a lot of thought and time into his song. So whatever song he would have picked is, was just fine with me because it's like, you know what I mean? He, he up there, man. He didn't show a lot of records and shit. And I value his opinion in his ear. Um, again, not trying to spoil, spoil alert this, you know, this is uh our company is called the Timeless Podcast Company because we believe in making evergreen interviews that'll last forever. Um, so I have no problem blowing up spots. If people didn't see the show, fuck you. Watch it. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and they watch the show and I'm blowing up episodes, fuck you. Watch it. Um, so, again, personal favorite. Very awkward to watch, but me and my wife watched it and laughed our asses off is the time that Dave spends at Benny Blanco's house. Oh, yeah. Around calling each other Chet. Um, Teabagging each other. Crazy. Uh, sticking gum in Benny Blanco's ass. But with that was a very interesting conversation. And as I lovingly refer to that episode, I, I, I lovingly refer to the episode as Read the Room because it really showcased there is a true dichotomy between white friends and black friends. And you really, you and your, your character on the show who was an EMT, you really succinctly in the script were able to really hit it on the head, the difference between white men and having the safety to explore and black men and have the fragility of their life and not being able to explore. Can you talk about that a little bit, not only when you read it, but how it played out on screen? Oh, well, when I read it, I was like, okay, I get it. This is how Dickie and Benny really are. So they want to show their friendship. They want to express their friendship on the show. Like, hey, that's cool with me. I just seen a bunch of stuff, you know? So at the same time, it's like, hey, I know they love each other. I know that they they both have girlfriends or whatever the case may be like so whatever people want to think is what they want to think or whatever they want to say but they wanted to put out whatever they wanted to put out now right. me on the other hand 
I don't care about what nobody do behind closed doors. I know what I'm comfortable with, and I know what I'm not comfortable with. So that's why you saw me walk the way that I walked in. I don't have nothing against people that indulge in those type of activities. I love everyone. So let's get that be clear. I'm down to support every community, every yeah. race. Every no doubt. Yeah, no, this is not about this is not about alienating a community yeah. without pressure. Yeah. I'm just I'm just saying just no and I appreciate that. I will put it on the misnomer. This is not yeah. in any way shape or form. This will go through the byline Gator. No yeah. problem. People be twisting words and stuff. No, right? yeah, no, and this is not about it's twisting. Not, not even you, just the fans, though. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, yeah. That's why I be trying to say the most detailed. Uh, Blanco says, yeah, but he says in the episode, he says pretty much, Gata, are you telling me you never looked at your friend's asshole? And the point of that, at least for me, the point of that is even though I might look like the other white meat. Right. Like me and my boys were not playing that shit. Like, I'm just gonna keep it a buck. Like that was not our shit. Yeah, now, see, because y'all from y'all a different type of white dude. Y'all was the white dudes that was with hip hop culture. Y'all was listening to KRS one. Y'all was rocking out to Snoop, Ice Cube, and shit like that. Y'all probably had black homies around y'all. You right. feel me? That was with y'all, thugging on the block, picking y'all up, y'all going to their neighborhood. You, they coming to y'all neighborhood. Y'all actually hanging out at school. You're doing black and white shit together. You get what I'm saying? So that's probably why you shaped like that. And the way you are, you cut from a whole different cloth than somebody who's looking at somebody's butt. And you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like it's just- But it's, what I love, what I loved about <laughs> it is your man was an EMT and he said, look, if I got to look at Benny Blanco's ass to prove whatever, and then they find that he's got a fissure in his ass. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was funny. <laughs> and Blanco. I love that they did that, too, because all black people or black men are not ashamed to or be who they are. They, yeah, and that was the best part, Gator. That was the best part of it, brother. Like, yeah. man, like, and it was funny because you're, the only reason your friend came to Benny Blanco's house was to really kind of show you out. Like, oh, why ain't you got a record with Benny Blanco? Why ain't you got a record with Dickie? And you even had to say to him, like, yo, I'm trying to smoke right now. Yo, leave that shit alone for a minute. Right. Because you also didn't want to get shown out, right? Like, it was, what I was trying to say was, it was, what makes the show so amazing to me is that the authenticity of the communication mm -hmm. is so fucking real, bro. It's so fucking facto, like, and I appreciate that so much about yeah, what you have. We're pulling, from, we're pulling from real moments and real situations that we had as friends, had as people, yeah. human beings. So that's why I think people really connect with it because all these uh, situations that y'all see are intense moments is because they really happened to us in real life. Yeah. I want to um, I wanna go, and I got a lot of shit, shit to cover, and I know I don't have a lot of time with you, but I'm going to try to do the best I can. But uh, the final episode of this year uh, was was certainly a roller coaster. Um, obviously, it, it's the VMAs, it's Peanut. The album finally gets released. We start with Dave on a cross downtown LA, um, getting ready for the VMAs, um, and there's a really poignant scene where he runs up on you in the backyard because your mother character is worried that you're ramping up. You find out that your baby sister is being asked to co-sign the mortgage. 
you're offended because of your bipolar, you feel that you're being understaged because you're an artist and you're not as stable, I'm gonna use my rock quotes, stable, um, that your sister has a job so she's more stable. And um, I wanna share with you that I felt that because that's what happened to me in my house. Mm. You know what I mean? So that that's what my father did to me. You know, my father died three months ago and he put my sister and my brother, my younger brother in charge of his, because I'm not stable. I'm, I'm just the rapper who got lucky, right? Um, and again, I, I, I really want to understand, like for me and for, and for you and your character, when you're reading this and you know it's the final you know, episode of the season, it's all kind of built up to this. You're walking into the table read. You know, you've gotten your sides. You know, again, for the uninitiated, the sides are, you know, you get your, your role and you get your thing, but you sit down and, and the conversation starts to happen and the script starts to play out. Are you thinking in your head how you're going to play this and how you're going to approach that? And oh, yeah. your approach. Yeah, I was definitely thinking about how I was going to approach it because I know it was a bigger performance and I knew it was the finale. So the finale, you got to go hard or go home, go hard or go homeless. You got to bring it, you know what I mean? And we had one of the best directors there, Alma. She was, uh, you know, giving me little tips and stuff, coaching me through the intense scenes and stuff so I could have, you know, the proper, uh, let's say, delivery or tone, you know, because certain directors want to hear certain deliveries or see certain emotions on your face, facial expressions and all that type of stuff. So. I was definitely uh, locked in for every scene, but it wasn't hard for me to deliver those scenes though at all because I'm playing myself in. For me to act manic or go crazy, that's that's easy because I really have this disorder. I really, like I probably came to set that day not even taking my medication, <laughs> you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I'm already juiced up. When I wake up in the morning, I'll be juiced up already, you know, just off of my natural anxiety. So it wasn't hard at all, man. Like when I'm reading those lines, people got to remember, because a lot of people don't know, but if you watch the show, at the end of the credits, it says gated actor. And if you keep looking further, like a couple, couple segments or what, parts, it says gated consultant. So anything that got anything to do with me on the show, when they're in the writer's room, like for the first season, I used to go to the writer's room and answer questions and, you know, how would I say this? How would I say that? And give my input. Season two, I was on the Zoom chiming in, you know, do the writer's room because you can't write the stuff that I'm going to say. And it's unpredictable. And I love the fact that FX and Dickie gives me the green light to just be me and to stray off from what they have on the page already, because that's where you get the real magic when you get somebody being real. And I think that's dope because I'm not even a, well, I am an actor because I just shot a movie with RZA and I'm on set right now, but I don't consider myself a real actor. So for them to, you know, trust me like that, it means a lot <laughs> to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it means a lot, man.